Welcome to ICA Podcast 9. The goal of ICA Podcast 9 is to provide insightful information about the industry to members and non-members of Intercoiffure America Canada, the voice for salon owners. Each week we'll bring business, educational and inspirational topics to aid anyone with ties to the beauty industry. We will have a revolving series of hosts pulling from industry leaders as hosts and guests to keep things lively and interesting and make you wonder what's coming next. Now, here's this week's edition of ICA Podcast 9. I want to thank everybody for joining us on this Intercoffee America Canada podcast. I am delighted today to have with me Helen Miller, and uh, she is a member of Intercoffee America and as well as a salon owner. And Helen, welcome. And I want you to tell everybody listening a little about you and your fabulous husband, Scott, and your business and where you're located. And then we'll get into some issues and challenges that we're facing as salon owners. Thank you, Sheila. Thank you for having me today. You know, I always enjoy our time together. You're very inspiring. Um, So Scott and I opened Scott Miller in 1985 in Rochester, New York. It was a small little um, home that was converted into a salon. We started with three employees and grew to about 42 employees, knew knew that we needed to kind of expand. I've always been in love with beauty and growing up in Brooklyn, always being um, exposed to the latest in beauty and fashion, wanted to bring some of that to Rochester. So we opened up um, the first day spa as well as a beauty store that houses some of the most luxurious and cult sort after brands that you would only find in a big city. You know, Rochester is typically like a BC market. So it was a little challenging bringing that um, type of business here, but it's been, it's been successful. Uh, we have about 115 employees right now in one location. We did have two. We merged them back this past February and it was a really great decision. Uh, we are full salon, departmentalized, where we have stylists that do, you know, the cutting and the styling. We have colorists. We have a full spa with massage and aesthetics and nails. And then our store, which houses retail specialists, makeup artists um, that just specifically work in the store. So we have brands like La Mer, Joe Malone, Bobby Brown, Westman Atelier, of course, the three amazing hair care brands, Orbe, Caristas, and Bumble. Um, so we're always looking for unique opportunities to bring something new to the Rochester market that maybe wouldn't be available in a department store here. So we're always excited. We're thrilled to be a part of Intercoiffure and, you know, to really pay attention to where we are right now and what is needed now to kind of um, move the business forward. Instead of looking in the past, like we've always talked about, let's really think about what's needed now and what is relevant and um, we have a plan that we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about in this podcast. Yes, uh, you know, you're, uh, you and Scott are so inspirational to so many people who know you and, and indirectly from people who don't actually know you but have heard about you and have followed you. And, uh, you know, for, it's like, if you could do it in Rochester, then you could do it anywhere, right? It's true. Uh, and and you're, you and Scott are not, uh, it's not uncommon for y'all to go over big challenges and get through them on the winning side. So uh, let's talk about some of the things you're doing right now that maybe you didn't do 10 years ago 
and and why have you made those changes and how do you see um the the consumer uh changes hmm. right now uh, just from technology just from everything uh for the last you know five years so uh let's talk about how you see it and then uh, what you're doing about being relevant for it it's very interesting because we've all been um inundated with online and especially when our retail business has been 35 to 40 percent of our business you always kind of think in terms of will people really value brick and mortar the consumer um, and we're seeing a shift and a trend, a trend change in that I think the online business has got, got inundated. And um, what I'm noticing now more than ever is that hospitality is number one. We are focusing all our energy on hospitality right now. We've moved away from you know, the community feeling that we had where people were more isolated people coming back into our spaces. You know, we have this amazing opportunity to connect with so many people in our environments and salons. And I'm noticing that people are really looking forward to coming back to those group events to um, connect in a way that they haven't connected and differently, you know, Sheila. The thing is this, that it's easy to shop online. We all know that, you know, three o'clock in the morning, half the population doesn't sleep. What do we do? We go online, we shop. But there's such an experience when you come into a place where people are highly skilled, trained, really understand hospitality, client experience, and really know how to expand a client experience. And that's very important because there's usually very transactional experiences that most people have. I don't want to have those transactional experiences. They are transactions, but they deserve more. And so we bought this book, um, Simon Sinek mentioned it about the guy who owns Eleven Medicine Park. It's called Unreasonable Hospitality. We bought copies for all our leaders, managers, and that's going to be the focus of our full staff meeting starting the new year. How do we elevate the experience for not only the people that are working here, which we've all focused on recruiting, 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 and getting team members here, but it's great to get them here. But then what do you do to train and educate, and how do you? merge the experiences that we've had when we first started to the expectations right now with, with technology and everything which you're talking about. Everything's fast, fast, fast. But to me, everything matters from the type of teas to the water, cucumber water, to um, the experience at the front when they come in. And what we're gonna be doing is empowering every single person, people that are in housekeeping to the people that are in the front, service providers to have the authority, responsibility, and the excitement of hospitality again. And to me, that's the only answer. I don't know what differentiates anymore, more than that. That to me is the key to success for the future. You know, it's interesting that you would say that about hospitality because as I've been reaching out to find uh, places for you know, meetings and events and things like that. Yes. Uh, the hotels are booked up three to five years from now. I mean, even in the smaller cities and uh, they are just overwhelmed with how people have come back and they want to be in larger groups, not like two or 3,000, but you know, 100 or 50 or anything under 500. And most of the hotels are not 
uh, set up for that. So they're all redoing all of their space to accommodate that hospitality and that feel. And even some of the smaller hotels are uh, putting in spas and massages and things like that. They would rather have less room take up and have the people there experience something good. So I do, you are so right on because I've been hearing all of this for the last six months. And uh, so tell me more about what you're going to be doing that you didn't do before in the way of hospitality and greeting the the team members. So I mean, be a little bit more specific of what you have in mind. So the training that we're going to be doing is going to start in January. It's going to be the 360 experience. And we've outlined all the touch points from the time a client enters, guest enters your space, and all the touch points from beginning to end. It, actually, it starts on the phone. So every person that works here, whether they've been here 37 plus years, which is how long we've been in business, to the person we hired a month ago, will go through this program. And we're going to kick it off on the 22nd of January. Stephanie Fox is going to come and uh, she's going to do a presentation for us. We're going to break up into small groups, but they're going to create the program. We have the outline, but I right. want the team to create the program and what they're willing to um, to buy into and to engender in the work that they do. So let's say, for example, she like the, the person that's doing housekeeping and sees a client's dissatisfied on the floor. I want that person to be able to address that client's needs at that moment. We don't have to get the manager that's in the back, you know, and go through all those old traditional steps. Why is it that we can't be, uh, you know, available at any given moment to see and assess and read body language and be able to provide an experience for a client. And I think that's gonna, that's gonna be really powerful and impactful um, for everybody. And what I'm seeing now too, Sheila, which is interesting because we've hired 22 people in seven months. We hired a full-time recruiter. She's been working tirelessly. She was a hairdresser on our floor for 15 years. She's always expressed an interest in administration, super talented, super smart. She hired all this new talent for us. And it's a different kind of experience that we've had before. They're excited, energetic, bubbly, willing to do whatever it takes. Um, they're into hospitality, they're, they're into creativity. So now it's a matter of getting the team together to come up with the strategy to really um, understand what the consumer wants and being creative and understanding what they want because a lot of times we don't know, we assume, but really asking the right questions and giving them the tools with the right consultation um, and the right means of feeling, feeling excited about being a part of a community again. That's a big thing, you know? We are a community with, you know, 115 people is like a small community of, of people. And what is our, what exactly are our roles? You know, I cut hair, you know, I do massages, but what else do you do? You're, you, you care for people, you're in service. And it was interesting. I was just reading an article yesterday. It was, yeah, Louis Vuitton is opening up a hotel in Paris. Why? Because they realize that everything's about hospitality and they wanna elevate the client experience. Of course, they're gonna have their luxury goods there, but they're gonna bring the most amazing bakery and the greatest bread and, and, and meats and everything. And it's in an area that was 
not really the best area and they've gentrified it and they're making this commitment. And that was just like mind blowing to me. Like here's luxury goods going into hospitality. Um, and I just feel at this point, we are so ready and where we have all the means to really make a difference, to have a point of difference. What's a point of difference, Julie? We talked about it, a haircut. Do people actually know the difference all the time? Maybe, you know, they may have their favorite massage therapist on nail tech, but what they can't argue with is how you make the person feel and the elevated experience. So cleanliness to a T, maybe even having more housekeeping on staff to make sure that people are served the right way. Um, just the amenities, but I do think more than all the little bells and whistles, it's the connection and, and, and the person coming up to someone and saying, how can I serve you? Can I help you? Can I take the towel? Can I pick up the thing off the floor? Can I put a napkin under your tea that you're drinking? So it's all those little things. Like if I have a bowl of color in my hand that a protege walks by, will she grab the bowl from the colorist because she's talking to a client? You know, little little things like that. Because in the book, he said, invariably, he would walk up to a table. He would have dirty dishes behind his back. And in seconds, somebody would always come by and grab those dishes from him, the owner, while he was engaging with a, a, a guest. And that just stuck to me. Like, people who walk by and see hair on the floor. Like, what? You know, I would never do that. So that's the energy. That's the intention. That's our focus. Um, and we've also got the right people in place right now. I feel very excited about our leadership team and empowering them to do a lot of that kind of work. So hospitality, number one right now. That's it for us. The name of the book that you read that inspired you so much was Unreasonable Hospitality. Yes. Who is it by? His name is Will Yadera. He's the owner of 11 Madison Park. Part of the Danny Meyer group, you know, the ones that are in, he wrote the um, setting the table, just right. really high end thinking. Um, right. We actually heard Danny Meyer speak a while back, but they were the number 50 restaurant in the world and they went to number one. Think about, I mean, like how many, the 17, I don't know, 25,000 restaurants just in Manhattan alone. So to make that kind of statement and commitment and do it is there's so many levels because he talks about the food and he talks about the hospitality. You know, people have great food, but they don't have the great hospitality. It doesn't, it doesn't work. That's Not right. for the repeat business. In our business, the same thing. So that's- Yeah, the that's, experience is, is number one. I think with everybody now. And I think that it, it definitely transcends between every generation. It doesn't matter if you're, uh, 16 or 66 or 106 when you have a warm uh, and loving experience and you have great value at the end or results from that experience yes. it's a win-win and I think that's the common denominator between crossing all generational lines well it's the same thing what Intercoffee does in setting those amazing events and taking care of everybody that's there providing content but there's also community and sharing and, and there's, there's a sense of trust and safety that you can let yourself be vulnerable, which, you know, Scott and I did 
on stage. Right. And I did the, right. Think about that. I mean, you know, that's a big piece, Sheila, because I'm not, I'm not that comfortable going out. I'm not, you know, on my soapbox talking about all my personal problems, but I think the, the opportunity for people to come into our spaces and feel really, really cared for, listened to, and beyond what any other place will make them feel is so doable. And you're so right. I have, we have 18 year olds that are coming out of school now that could teach hospitality. It's all about a certain energy. People are either um, coming to this world that way, but we can teach to that. And we yes, can have those yeah. expectations. And where I am now is I'm not afraid as I was before to set the groundwork for us to kind of come up with this plan and strategy and to see who is gonna rise and be with us to go on this journey together. I don't want people here just because it's a job or they've been here, if they don't really feel that um, desire to serve in their hearts and to really care for people and for each other, it's not gonna work. Yeah. And that's okay. I, I totally agree with you. It's, it's at a point now that mm -hmm. even the people coming in and maybe uh, you've found this to be true, but I don't expect people to be here with me as much as I would love for them to be here for 20 and 30 years. That's just right. not a doable thing anymore. They want to learn and they move on and they go on their their own career path. But it's such a joy to know that you've been a part of their success and you really want that for them. But and it, if it's done correctly, they leave you with as much wealth as you've given them to go forward. They've left you a lot of wealth that you have enjoyed while they're there. That is everything. Think about that. Think of the freedom. Yes. We as salon owners have not felt that. We felt, I don't want to say we own people, but we were like devastated if somebody left or didn't appreciate the gifts and the education and the resources. But truly, they came, they also worked, and now they're able to go and do their own thing, which it, it's great. And the, those that stay that really want to be a part of this, that's the magic. That's really when you focus on the goodness and the gratitude you have for the people that really engender the qualities that you, from the very beginning, have started your business, your core values. That hasn't changed. It's just about finding new ways to do things differently, but still having the same essence and energy that we started our business this year. You know, this, we've talked about, you and I've talked about this many times. Right. And but, but we have to find something that's new, that's exciting, that's gonna, going to um, speak to all the people that you have, because sometimes there's a 40, age, 40 year age gap. I talk about, I'm 40 years older than my new hires, and I'm, I'm probably older than their moms or their dads. So I have to find ways to be relevant right. by, being a great, by being a great listener by involving them in the process. I don't go to a meeting with a list of all the things that, you know, I find something inspirational. We'll talk about how to stay in the moment, reduce anxiety, reduce the fear, not spending too much time in the future, maybe finding a clip or a video that's inspiring and, and healthy for them. You know, put, we put a wisdom box together where, or in the moment you, you, you can either put something in or take something out when you're in the break room. 
if you need a little help or support. Little things like that to let them know that even though we are not the same age and maybe have know about the Beatles and they don't, <laughs> you know, um, it's okay. It's, it's all good. And I enjoy, I go out there on the floor. They give me so much um, because they're excited. I want, to, I, want, I want them to be excited. After what we've been through, I wasn't excited. I was, you know, I spoke about this. I'm excited again. I feel hopeful again and excited about the future, but it is going to take some work, but I don't think we have to move the needle very far because we're all into, we've all done hospitality and service for all these years. Absolutely. And sometimes it's just going back to the very core value uh, that we sort of get away with when we start adding the fluff and, and all the other stuff to our businesses. <laughs> and then, I mean, even look at Starbucks, look what they're doing now. I mean, they've gone back to uh, putting people's yes. names on the cups again, you know, yes. and making everything more personal where they got away from that. But now people want their name to be on that cup, you know, are, are they even put little designs on top? Uh, I, I just think everybody is going back to that to feel a little bit more connected because we were so disconnected. Yes. Even before COVID, we were disconnected. And I think that now we really treasure and value the connection, even if it's for a moment, even if it's for a moment. What is that saying? It's better to have loved a little than never loved at all. Exactly. And, and there's... Uh, you know, people come into our life for maybe a short time, but they deposit so much to your your life and your memories that you know it's you 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 don't want to leave, but yet you treasure. You still have those treasures of moments with them that you're just happy for them. I uh, I you're so inspiring. Uh, I wish I could. I think I might just come up and spend a few days with you and set it your. <laughs> Follow you around. Why don't you come? Come up for the meeting. Stephanie will be here. We'll hang out. It would be so much fun. And I would love for you to be here. And you know what? You're like a celebrity to, to our team. I talk about <laughs> you seriously because to me, you, what you're doing for this organization, for our community, is so big. I mean, look how much time we've invested in this industry and in this business. Right. And it, it, I don't want it to disappear and turn into something that it shouldn't be. There's so much work to do and you've done so much for all of us in with the schools and now even just bringing up this awareness that's so important. Why? The why? Why belong to Interclafia? Why work for a commission-based salon? Why do you want to be the best hairdresser? Why? In, this, in that book, Sheila, you read, he said he wants to be the best restaurant, number one restaurant. And our, we're going to be the number one salon. And everyone can be the number one salon in your community, wherever. It doesn't matter. Right. There's room for all of us. But it's a focus and a common goal and theme. Everyone, like you said, no matter how old you are, wants to be on the winning team, right? Nobody wants yeah. to be. No, nobody wants to be the last one picked for a baseball team. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And everybody so, wants to go home feeling good about what they've done. And exactly. And we all have failures. You know, Anna Pachito said something at one of our meetings that I loved. And she said, um, failure has never failed me. And <laughs> I love that because she said, when I do something that's not right, I sit back 
And she said, and I'll look at it. And all I have to do is to turn to one of my uh, workers that I'm sharing my life with during eight hours every day and say, what, what happened? And they will help her. And she said, and then she realized not only can she correct whatever she did that wasn't correct, but she also increased the connection to the person next to her. So it's just a positive all the way around. And that's, I, I love just thought that. that's who we are, right? That's yes. who we are in our salons. That's who we are in intercoffee. That's who we are in this beauty industry, which is probably, I mean, it's perfect name. It's just a beautiful industry to be in because you can do so many things like, you know, what you, what all the services you offer in your salon, you know, massages, skincare, yes. uh, hair cutting, um, color. I mean, just look, if they don't want to do one and not selling in one, they can go to another department. Yes. Correct. And we've had that happen. Yes. And it's all good. You know, now they're coming and say, can I do nails and can I do a hair? Of course, if you excel at both and go through the training program, I just won't have you going back and forth. You do a couple of days of nails or I think we have to allow things that for me in the past, it was very like you pick what you pick your area of expertise and that's it. And I don't think that's the answer anymore. But again, I don't know necessarily that everybody can fit into doing and, and you know, switching modalities so easily. And right. I, my concern more is about, can you provide the experience that a client deserves rather than you being having fun doing both cutting and color? And so if a certain person, which we have one person now, the first person in 20 years, over 20 years that wants to do both, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. And that's the newness when you say like, what's changed? We have to be fluid and flexible without compromising the core values and what consumers, our clients, our guests have bought into and have been paying for, that can't change. It only has to be elevated. If we're gonna raise prices, if we're gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna go through this time of change, this service has to always be stellar. And that's, that's hard. You know, we have 15,000 square feet of space. Trying to keep 15,000 square feet of space clean and relying on a cleaning company and doing all those things. And, it's a lot, it's challenging. But again, if you have 115 people eyes on the place instead of two or five, that changes everything. They'll clean around the paper towel holder, you know, that looks like it should be cleaned or how do we set up those expectations? And it's, it's gonna be a challenge, but it's gonna be a fun challenge. And I do believe that when you give people more things for them to be involved in, and a part of um, what gets measured gets done. And we'll, we'll monitor it and we'll continue the coaching in the process. It has, to, it has to continue. You can't do a 360, have this full staff meeting and then go back to what you were doing before. Everything has to change. We've changed all of our letterheads, everything that has our logo on it. We went back, this was an interesting thing, Sheila, you'll like this. So years ago, Scott was like, when you go to a Prada store, or you see Prada, you don't know what it is unless you know Prada, right? He says, why do we have to hey, be Scott Miller's salon, Scott Miller's salon and spa, Scott Miller's salon, spa store. So we took salon, spa and store off. And you know what's happened? SEO went all the way down. All of the Google searches, everything as a result of that. So guess what we're doing now? 
we're going to be Scott Miller salon, spa, and store again. So we're redesigning all of them because it, it it's necessary. It's needed yeah. because people don't know. Like our sign is big and we're in a plaza, but if you're across the street and it says Scott Miller or it says Mac, because you know we have Mac makeup right. the store. Nobody knows what that. Well, how, how do they know what it is? It could be a clothing store. It could be Mac computers. It could be who knows what. But those are the things you don't realize because you think everybody thinks like you do. So we're redesigning the sign and, and going back to that and being, being confident that that's going to change where we come up on those Google searches because it is important. Right. Absolutely. I want to hear your, your story on how you got some of the biggest names in makeup to allow you to sell inside a salon or a beauty store and not be in like a, a Macy's or, um, you know, one of the larger department stores, because I, I think it's phenomenal what you did. And you're sort of an icon in this whole area of how do you go in front of these people and tell them to come in and let you be a distributor or let you sell? So I want to hear your story on that because I think it's fascinating. It's very interesting how that evolved because, like I said, I was always fascinated. I used to drive to Toronto and all places to get MAC makeup and I was obsessed with everything beauty. So originally we had Bumble and Bumble and we were trying to figure out how do we leverage and get a makeup line. We had a beta a little bit for a while, and then the, the beta thing didn't work out for us. So then we went to um, face.com. That was the first makeup line we had. We hired um, a writer, put together a presentation package. Face.com is owned by a mother and a daughter from Sweden. They're amazing. And we made an appointment to go see them on Prince and Green in Manhattan with this beautiful presentation with pictures and ideas of what we wanted to accomplish. And we were in the old space at that time, Sheila. We, we had about 1200 square feet. The makeup was behind the front desk because I was actually the one that started the makeup business. Um, you know, I have a degree in something totally different in economics. I wanted to be an actress, which I told you before, but the right. makeup thing was kind of my, you know, segue into something that was more creative. So as soon as we met Gunn and Martina, they like, yeah, but we're gonna partner with you. And they didn't have their stuff anywhere except in a few boutiques around in Sweden and Europe. And, and I, they had that store in Manhattan. They weren't even in the department stores at the time. So then after that, we met this person who knew someone at Aqua de Parma. And we knew if we had a brand that really had some legs and some recognition, he introduced us to the person and they let us get Aqua de Parma. And the interesting thing is when we expanded into our first store location, it looked more like a museum. And we had glass tables and we put the product on top and people would just walk by. And, I, and we would stand there and watch like, why are people not touching our makeup? And that's when Daniel Kaner, a wonderful friend came in to help us. And he said, we need to do a shopping trip and start to figure out how you can merchandise your your store better for people to have more of a shopping experience. Once Aqua de Parma started, we just started talking and going to different people that were in charge at Estee Lauder, L'Oreal. And if, as you know me, because we're friends, I'm a little persistent. I don't give up. 
that's, and, that's uh, what I love about you, man. You just don't <laughs> let go when you know it's right. No, no Sheila, this is the fun. I won't keep it. I'll just tell the one funny story. So we had Lemaire, but I wanted Joe Malone. I knew Joe Malone would do great here. And I had such an affection for that brand from the very beginning. But every time we tried to make an appointment with the group president, she kept on canceling. And we had to make it like three months ahead, a phone call. And we had Bobby Brown and LaMare, and she was in charge of Bobby Brown, LaMare, and Joe Malone. But every time we, and it was probably five times that she canceled on us. And I was like, I'm not giving up. This is not, not going to end. So Sonia Kashuk, Daniel's wife, calls me because she knew that I wanted the brand. She goes, Helen, Maureen Case and Bobby Brown are speaking at the CEW in Manhattan. You and Scott should come. I said, we're going. Scott and I got on the plane and we went down to New York. She introduced us to Thea Breen, who was like head of all of, of, of North America. And she was a tough cookie. She goes, what do you think you can do for the brand? And I wasn't prepared, but I somehow gave her a great answer. She gave me her card. And then she said, let me know how it goes. So we go into the, audi to the auditorium, small, like a hundred people there, maybe a little hundred fifty. And I see Maureen Case, who's the group president being mic'd up. I said, Scott, Let's go. He goes, go where? I said, we're going up to the stage. We're going to go talk to her. She's getting ready to go on stage. He goes, Helen, you're crazy. I said, come with me. So as we go up to the stage to see her, she sees us and she's all embarrassed. She goes, oh my God, Scott and Helen, I'm so sorry. We haven't been able to connect. She said, you know what? I'm going to give you Joe Malone to, to, to try and we're going to do a test on it. So I said, fantastic. Sat down in my seat wrote an email to her, copied the Abreen, and then we got our big Joe Malone, and we've had it now, it's gotta be like 15 years, and we do very well with the brand. And, but again, it's, it's being persistent, but also knowing confidently that you can do well with that brand because you have to hire retail people that work in your store. You can't have the people from behind the desk come out now you're compromising hospitality everywhere. So I right. have people just dedicated to the store, probably nine people now, part-time, full-time, and they're well-versed in every brand that we carry, and we have quite a few. And those are the ones that we spend most of our attention on. And then I bring in travel and little things that are fun, grab-and-go items at the front reception area. And like I said, you know, retail is 35 to 40% of our business. It's big. Wow. That's huge. And it is. <clears throat> That's and, huge. But we got hit hard when, you know, but prior to COVID, online, COVID, you know, we did lose some of our footing with that, but we're we're slowly, I can start to see that by next year, providing we continue to do what we're doing, we'll get close. It will we'll be close. Well, the good thing is you've got the history and the experience of knowing how to be successful. And that that is a blessing in itself because some people go in and they make it big, but they don't know how they they were able to do it and they couldn't do it again. Where you can do it over and over and over again because you, mm. you've got the foundation and you also are always wanting to be relevant and you see where the trends are. It's not like you stay in that one lane. So yeah, you're you're a, you're an amazing person. Uh, Y'all have got an amazing business. And the thing that I just adore about you and Scott is that you're just so willing to share. 
and uh, and you just want everybody to be as successful as you are and the other thing is you're so transparent and that that is such a beautiful beautiful characteristic is to be transparent with people when you're uh, connecting with them and people feel that with you and uh, I, you know how I, I'm just your biggest fan so I want to uh, thank you well let me just back up a minute what would be one thing if you could give one piece of advice to everybody listening uh, for moving forward for the new year uh, what would it be I would say really um, be a good listener um, with, with the intention of listening um, in their voices. You know, a lot of times we listen and we just can't wait to talk or to fix. And we've done a lot of listening and paying attention to exactly how our seasoned people feel and the new talent coming in. And to, the, to be frank with you, Sheila, People are people, we're all the same. I don't believe there's any difference. We wanna be cared for, respected, listened to, loved. We wanna be inspired, coached, developed, mentored. And I think all of those things as a leader, as a business owner, we're capable of doing, but also empower the team to do that as well. There are a lot of winners out there that, that don't necessarily have to be there 30, 35 years. They can do a lot of inspiring and, and um, I think the hospitality piece has to start with your team and making them feel that you're hospitable to them, you know? So, right. you know, it's one thing to say, yeah, okay, we wanna make sure you take care of the client, but are, are, is our team really cared for and taken care of? And that's the thing that matters most to Scott and me is I wanna be sure on every level, financially, emotionally, spiritually, creatively, that they're that they're cared for and listened to so uh, that's that's beautiful that's like a a sermon in itself <laughs> <laughs> well i appreciate you sheila so much you've been a mentor to me and our conversations when i get off the phone with you and we've had the time to spend together um lifts me up on many levels and you're a dear friend and i appreciate you thank you so much the the feeling is definitely mutual and Give your sweet husband a big hug, tell him that I will. I, I'm going to fly up there and visit y'all. I want to see everything that you're doing. And I cannot thank you enough for sharing all of this with our members and our, the industry as this podcast goes out and for being a part of Intercofure. It's, it's just a blessing. Thank you. And thank you for being you. And thank you. I can't wait to see you in April. Yeah, but I'm going to see you. I'm going to see come you up. before. I'm going to see you before. I'm going to hold Just you to it. the information. All right. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks, Sheila. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for joining us for the ICA Podcast 9 podcast. 
Be sure to tune in next week for more industry insight and information. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast too and share it with your friends in the industry. Our only goal is to bring people together and share information with those that need it. Intercoiffure America Canada is proud to be the voice for salon owners. For more information about us, visit intercoiffure.com. That's intercoiffure.com.